One year, I kind of got an idea, you know, I want to try trap. I like to trap, I like to make lure, and I like to write. Where can it go from here? I would be able to spend more time in the woods. I was losing money hand over fish trapping, but I didn't care. Getting the traps out there is the hardest part, I think, with them. I would leave the critters in the back of my truck in the high school parking lot. We're going to set traps, like, no matter what. Some of these guys have trapped these areas for generations. We got to the furball. This is Northern Michigan. This is what you do. Representing trappers in a positive light. I'm going to ask you guys a question. Do you know everything? This will be fun. Trying to learn something from these legends. Ask questions without asking questions. Volumes of Perfect and Game magazine. There's structure from Perigo Gorman. Perg Lennon's articles, the Perg Lennon's ads. Information, trapping radios. We are trappers on ourselves. To me, that's pretty important. All right, everybody listening to me? Develop a system yet because work it ahead of time to build big trapping. If you got very much the same as the you got bogged down. They started talking about these big fans. Most of my tunes are coming from up top, not down top. Probably the best part of the country in the world. I don't know, get them better. Trying to set predator traps and trash waders. The back of that beaver looks like it gets sheared. You better edit this part out. Yeah, we better. Back in the fur shed. This is the Trapping Today podcast. Thanks for tuning in, guys. Jeremiah Wood here. Great to have you here. We are brought to you by Cots Brothers Lures, K-A-A-T-Z-B-R-O-S.com. Trap smarter, work harder, enjoy the success that follows. Cots Bros has a full line of trapping supplies, traps, baits, lures, books, DVDs, everything you need to get started on the trap line. And you can't go to most conventions this year, so it's a great opportunity to start ordering some of that stuff online. Real convenient, fast shipping, great service. We're also brought to you by... On X Maps, turn your phone into a fully functioning GPS. You can mark trap locations, record your track, get landowner information, figure out whose land you're trapping on, who's got the land next door, make sure you're keeping it legal, and also find, uh, you know, scout new uh, properties and get more permissions. You can browse the latest aerial imagery. It's just such a useful tool. Go to onxmaps.com. And for your first purchase, you can use the promo code TRAP, T-R-A-P, to get 20% off. Great deal, and this is a, an incredible app. Um, I know you guys are going to you're gonna use this way more than you think you do, because I use it just about every day. All right, well, in tonight's episode, we've got a great interview with Garrett Volk from Volk Furs. We sat down with Garrett quite a while back earlier on in the podcast. He was actually probably one of the first interviews that I did. Garrett is a great guy. He's a fur buyer in North Dakota, and he does uh, in a you know he has he has a full time job like I have a full time job like a lot of you guys have a full time job outside of trapping. Most most all of us do nowadays, and the fur thing is kind of a side gig that he decided to start doing, and he started buying fur, and that was you know he started trapping for a while, and then he got into buying fur a little bit, and he started doing more and more of that. And he started thinking, you know, I'm buying this fur and, and this is this is all fine and good, but there's a lot of great fur here that uh, for for what I'm paying for it and, and uh, you know, for the quality of what's there, why don't I try and make some, some of my own fur products and, and try and add value to, to some of this fur locally instead of just, you know, shipping it off to to uh, somewhere on the end of the the product value chain. So Garrett started making hats and 
uh, mittens and he's making mitts, pillows, uh, headbands, blankets, all kinds of different fur products. So he's just kind of still getting started and figuring things out. He he talks about that tonight. So we're gonna talk. We're gonna start off. We're gonna talk about the coyote market because his specialty being in North Dakota is the western heavy coyote pelt that has been essential uh, it's pretty much been the most valuable item in all of the fur market for the past five to eight years so western heavy coyotes have been just in high high demand they were used for trim on those canada goose parkas that uh, people went crazy for still fairly popular but uh, we may we may be beginning to see the end of that trend. So it's it's one of those fashion trends that you always you, you take advantage. You, you're happy that it's there and you're getting a good price for this particular fur item. But remember, we saw this with otter. We saw this uh, with gray fox. These species, you know, all of a sudden someone comes up with some sort of a, a fashion or an item that gets popular. It trends. Everybody wants it. And that particular article of fur is in high demand and the price goes crazy and trappers who specialize in that and have a lot of them in their area can do really well. Um, Other people maybe are not so lucky with other species and that can last for a few years and then boom, it's gone. So that's, uh, we discussed that a little bit because this, that may change uh, a lot. What's going on with Canada goose may change a lot with um, that, that Western heavy coyote market. Then we get into the the fur manufacturing side of Garrett's business and what he's been doing, how he got started, and and you know trying all these different patterns and sewing up things and seeing what worked and making adjustments and everything. It's kind of cool to to talk about. We talk a little bit about things you know Garrett's tr- trying to get some youngsters and other people into trapping, so that's good. And uh, and we get into get into a few other other items. Talk about sort of broad level what's going on in in the fur market in the future. So uh, I just wanted to give a, a quick little plug for Volk Furs. If you are interested in purchasing a fur, uh, a hat, mitts, whatever, uh, get in touch with Garrett VolkFurs.com. You can get his email address there, phone number, and uh, you can find him on Instagram. And he's got a Facebook page, so they do a lot. Garrett and his wife, both uh, and his brother, um, both are, are involved. They're all involved in the business, and and they're getting a lot done there. So uh, two different things that you can do with Volkfurs. If you're interested in purchasing an item, he'll make you a hat. He'll make you you know gloves or a band or anything. Uh, he'll make that w- uh, with furs that he has on hand. If you had he has them in stock and get got stuff back from the tannery. You can send him your tanned fur, and he'll sew you up a hat, sew, sew something up for you. Um, you. And if you're looking for a specialty fur buyer, and you're having a hard time finding a place to send your fur, Garrett also buys fur. And it may not be the great, the, you know, Anybody you send fur to nowadays, you you're not going to get top prices. You're not going to. You're probably going to be disappointed just because of the state the market's in right now. But here's the deal. Um, I've been this year. Uh, almost all of the beavers that I trap went to Garrett, and uh, I sold them. He 
I, I, I've sent him beavers here for a couple of years now, and he, he really likes the, they don't have a lot of beavers where he's at, and so he really liked the northern Maine beaver. They are a really good quality beaver, probably the best in the country, if not the best in North America. They're just incredible quality, uh, thickness of fur, long hair, and consistency of color. And so he really liked that, and uh, I've been sending sending beaver pelts to him here. Uh, and and the biggest thing, the, the biggest challenge that we've had is the shipping and trying to get that shipped economically. But what what Garrett will do is if you if you send him fur that you want to sell he'll get it in he'll grade it and he'll call or email you with a price that he was willing to pay for that fur and if you like that price consider it sold he'll send you a check in the mail if you don't like the price he'll send the fur back to you so you're really not out much other than shipping cost and uh, it's a great chance you know if you have a hard time finding a place to to sell fur and especially if you have items that maybe that ship pretty well beavers are probably the hardest one to ship uh, but we're we're figuring it out we're we're finding ways to get we could get uh the last shipment i don't know what what it was um 12 or 15 beavers big beavers that we sent from Maine to North Dakota for about 50 bucks so uh there's there's ways to do it sometimes it's a lot more expensive than that but there's creative ways to to get that done efficiently and cost effectively um so yeah just a quick plug for volk first check them out and uh and uh support garrett's business really appreciate that so all right let's get into the interview and be sure to stay tuned for the cots brothers deal of the week at the end of the episode all right let's get into it Okay, Garrett Volk from Volk Furs. It's been a while to ha- since you've been on here. Good to have you back. Oh, thanks, Jeremiah. I appreciate it. Yeah. So uh, anyway, uh, one of the biggest things that I wanted to start off with is, you know, last time we talked, we talked a lot about the, uh, the Western heavy coyote market, which you, so you've been a, a fur buyer for, and you've bought coyotes for Canada Goose. Um, and that has been the hottest market for several years now. We always, you know, we mentioned in, in the interview that you did a while back, like, you know, nobody really knows when this fashion is fad or whatever it is, is going to end. Um, it, but it could, it could end at any time. Um, so a, a few things have changed. One of the biggest things being, uh, recently Canada Goose announced that they are going to stop using, uh, you know, coyote fur from coyote pelts uh, on their parkas, um, and and switched shift over to this reclaimed fur. So, uh, w- what do you know about that? Well, I guess uh, you know most of the coyotes that that we you know buy and and sell end up at Canada Goose somewhere. You know where we the supplier we supply. You know they, they end up going that way, and so I get you know tidbits of information here or there. Um, you know, when this all broke, as far as not using real, you know, virgin fur and trying to use reclaimed fur, I mean, a couple of things went through my mind. First off is, is the economy is, you know, probably not the best for selling a $1,200 coat, probably, you know, <laughs> yeah. uh, affecting everybody, you know, and I think that we are on the last, in my opinion, two to three years of probably that fashion sticking around, you know, in my opinion, I mean, the prices of uh, Western heavy coyotes were, you know, getting outrageous. And 
I think it, you know, for the long term, I don't think it could sustain that. Not to mention, it's more of a, you know, the people, in my opinion, buying those jackets were probably more in the 1% club. You know, they weren't for everybody. I mean, granted, they look nice and, you know, and, and that sort of thing. But I think all fashions fade over time, I think. Um, and then to come out and say that they weren't going to be buying coyotes here in, in, a, in a couple of years, which, you know, they buy coyotes for next year's manufacturing year in advance. So I've heard a lot of reports about people talking, well, we got maybe two more years of, of coyotes. Well, in realist, you know, in realistically speaking, I think that um, maybe we have less than that and nobody really knows the inventory of, of what Canada goose has for, you know, the strips that are put on the hoods or, or just raw skins sitting around. So it's definitely, definitely not a good thing for the Western heavy coyote guy, I guess. So the coyotes that you buy, do you have any idea what percentage of those would go to Canada Goose typically? Uh, I would say 98% of the coyotes that I buy are all trim quality. Uh, yeah. There's a couple here or there that might fall out of that. But for the most of the coyotes that I, I, I sell to my supplier, you know, he's he supplies, you know, the trim makers and, and down the line and then finally ends up a Canada Goose. You know, I think most of uh, I would say 98% of the cows that we get into at least, maybe even more, are all trim quality. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they, they all got the the heavy, you know, under fur and the long guard hairs and the good color and that sort of thing. So we're we're in the prime prime territory for those type of coyotes. And so they're going to trim. Um, hopefully, some of those trim buyers are not just Canada Goose. <laughs> um, yeah, they're you some know of those I imitation think... knockoff uh, coats and stuff. Yeah, the thing about that is there's a lot of knockoff companies out there, but they definitely are buying the lower price goods. You know, they're trying to do the copycat and, and buy the lower lower quality, lower priced. Um, it's definitely, uh, you know, once you get into it and hear about it and, and hear some stuff, it's definitely, you know, makes you think about where these high price cars are going, where the low price ones are going, and how long it can sustain itself. You know, usually the knockoff guys stick around until the fashion fade, you know, until fashion fades, then they're on to something else. But in this situation, who knows? You know, I mean, I don't know necessarily know if a, if a person that's not in the fur business or doesn't hunt or trap that are buying these coats, they probably don't know the difference between a top quality coyote rough and a low quality coyote rough, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so yeah, it's 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 kind of unknown there, I guess, of how that's going to play out. Yeah, and it's only July as we speak right now, so there's a few months before uh, any of this really um, plays out in the fur market. But do you do you have any? Have you been given any indications or anything on on what to expect this coming season? Yeah, I've you know I've been in constant contact with the people that you know we sell to and and. Um, I got some news today that, you know, it's very uncertain, you know, very uncertain. Um, you know, Canada Goose has got a lot of the coyote market. You know, I I, I'm, I wouldn't put a percentage on it, but I'm going to say it's quite a bit. Um, prices really shot up when they got into it. And and I think that, um, you know, I think there's demand out there. I, I still think there's demand, but I think it's going to be at cheap prices as far as right now. Who knows? Things are going to change. But I don't think anybody you know, on the producing side like us is really getting any guidance from the manufacturers as far as, you know, how they're going to proceed because they might, they don't know either. I don't think, you know, as far as this pandemic goes and how long it lasts. And, you know, even if it, if, even if everything went back to normal tomorrow, I mean, there's going to be some hangover from, you know, economy and all that kind of stuff. So, 
you know, there's really been no forecast right now. I think everybody's kind of thinking it's going to be way down. I'm not sure what that number is, but I'm anticipating much lower prices, you know, start to start the season. Yeah, uh, Canada Goose's stock, of course, they're traded in New York Stock Exchange, and uh, it's way off. And the company, yeah. you know, the last time they, they gave some earnings guidance, it was like, uh, yeah, we don't we expect to lose money again. Um, yeah. It, it, well, basically, no sales. <laughs> right. And it's and it's a discretionary company as far as spending. I mean, it's discretionary. It's labeled that on the, on the stock market. So, you know, if people don't have, you know, spendable income, they not, might not be buying those coats. So, yeah, to be in their place right now thinking what's going to happen, I can understand why there's really nothing been coming out because it's like we don't know. <laughs> so yeah, and, and they seem to be somewhere in between where it's not like like they're, it's a high, you know, it's like a $1,200 parka. So it, it's uh, an expensive item, and it's a unique group of people that can afford it. But it's it's not like the forty thousand dollar, you know, Bobcat special coat or so. You know, it's not a super high fashion where, you know, super rich people even in a downturn still have money to spend on that sort of thing. Oh right, and 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 it is unique in that sense, and I agree. And I think that uh, you know there is a market for that coat. I mean, I think if if especially United States, I mean, Canada's a lot better job of wearing fur than the United States does, but, uh, and it's using a fur in my opinion, but, and it's more acceptable, it seems like up across the border. But I think that, uh, there's definitely a, a, a market for that type of coat. Maybe not that price point for everybody. I mean, maybe, you know, less than that, in my opinion, if I was making, you know, parkas like that, but like you said, it's not a, you know, a full $40,000, cat coat that you only wear three times a year you know and not a lot of people buy those so yeah <laughs> so so one of the biggest questions i have is in a normal market would they really be able to source enough quote unquote reclaimed fur to make the, their parkas well i don't know when i first heard that i'm like well i i don't know if that you know the first thing that came to mind of course was you know, they're caving to the animal activists, you know, I mean, that's a lot of, a lot of people I've talked to said, well, are they kind of, you know, behind the scenes making kind of a, you know, yeah, okay, we'll stop doing this and who knows, but I don't know what their plans are as far as that goes, because I don't know how many reclaimed coyote fur that you could buy out uh, there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I really don't know. I mean, where would you start? Uh, Go to start going I, in people's closets? Well, I'm not sure. I mean, you might find five. I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it just it, it it's baffling to me that, and and they say it's not because you know, of course, the you can never tell whether a company's telling the truth or not. But they say they they've talked. You know, I saw that article in uh, Truth About Fur, and they talked about, uh, oh no, this this is not caving to the animal rights people. We're doing this because of uh, sustainability mission within our company and and so on um, so they're they're saying that it's it's not a decision that was brought on by animal rights but at the same time it's really hard to justify it seems yeah i i i don't know i mean i think i think that you know, definitely is the message that the the company is going to say because that's what they need to say you know to you know not have everybody else say, I told you so you shouldn't have been using wild fur but uh, yeah it's a tough tough thing right there I don't know how that's going to play out <laughs> yeah maybe in another year or two we'll hear have another announcement oh, we're going back to wild fur yeah yeah right <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
but in moments like that, you, it makes you really understand that, wow, this is kind of scary that one company controls this in, essentially this entire market. Yeah. Um, and that can hurt suppliers like us trappers. So uh, it, it makes you think, you know, it'd be awfully nice if other players were, were involved in, in getting in the market and, and maybe not just one publicly traded company where PETA can buy uh, stock and try to influence the board of directors and, and all that. So um, it, it, there are there are, there is a lot of negative here associated with this downturn in the fur market. But one of the positives that I've been seeing, and I know you're one of the people that I've noticed this uh, uh, in this trend, is people starting to make their own fur garments and say, well, you know, you you can't. You, know, you can't really sell this fur at a good profit and uh, we got all this really valuable I mean the fur is incredible what you can do with it it's so warm and durable and beautiful why don't we try making our own our own fur clothing yeah I, I you know I we started this we started you know manufacturing fur hats is our specialty I mean we're branching out the other stuff we really concentrate on the the, the trapper style hat the, the full fur hat and hear about oh it'll be coming up over two years now we've been doing that and been pretty successful at it and you know it's it's a part-time gig but i mean it's something that we like to do and i and i wear you know my i got a coyote hat i call it my patch hat because i patched together from all different scraps i had in the <laughs> shop you know of everybody else's hats and yeah i wear that all winter trapping and buying fur and and that's one thing that that trappers don't do a lot of is wear their own fur which is kind of you know it's 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 when you think about it, it's like oh really maybe you should be wearing your own product that you produce and to, to, to promote it in a sense but you're right i've been seeing a lot of uh a lot of people in the last i would say in the last five six months here really start to you know whether you're on facebook or instagram or see stuff on websites and stuff as far as people you know look what i made and i'm making this and what do you guys think of this and I think that's great because it, it gets you know it gets that out there and it shows people that maybe aren't in the the fur industry that really don't know much about like well this is a sustainable product product that you know people themselves can use and make and it's just not something for profit like a lot of the you know non-fur people think sometimes when we got those you know antis out there and and I think it shows that you can use something that you work hard at because it is hard work it's not easy and. And uh, I think that's great. I think it's great. And I think that's about a year ago, I was talking with somebody. And I said, you know, this main, this big mainstream fashion of fur and everything. And there's a lot of bigger companies that went away from fur, you know, oh, whether yeah. it be rants or wild fur. And, and I, and I was telling this guy, I was talking, you know, like, I think these little, I think it's going to be more of a fur boutique coming up here. I think there's going to be a lot of more boutiques around a lot more people making stuff. And, mm-hmm. and I'll tell you what, it's kind of came through in the last four or five months. Cause a lot of people are, or making things for themselves or their for their neighbor or a couple guys they know so it's 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 interesting yeah so you've sold you sold a fair number of these hats are, are they are you selling them mainly local um you know i've done i've done some local you know i do i do a little bit of advertising online and and i've sold to other states uh, you know it's definitely a niche group that you need to target to to sell this stuff i mean because they are pricey i mean you know, not only is, you know, the fur expensive depending, but you know, it's, it's the work and the workmanship that goes into them that, you know, they're paying for too. So it's not for everybody, but you do try to target certain people and groups of people. And, and I've sold some out of state and in state and just kind of word of mouth and, and stuff like that. So, yeah. 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 It's, it's funny. Cause, uh, it, so f- for me, 
I know you're selling some because this past year, most of the beavers I caught went to Volk furs. <laughs> yeah, 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 I, yeah. We need more of them, Jeremiah. They're great. I love your beavers. They're really good. <laughs> <laughs> that is good to hear. Um, In fact, they're, they're, the ones coming back from dressing are going to be part of a new blanket I'm working on. Oh, so no you're, kidding. Uh, uh, yeah, it's going to be pretty nice. Cause your fur is great. I, <laughs> I wish we awesome. had 100 more of them. <laughs> yeah, we've, you know, they've, people have always said, oh, yeah, northern Maine has, you know, probably the best beaver in in at least in the u.s if not north america um, it's great it's a it's a real good quality beaver but it's always been a challenge to find a good market for it um right at least recently and primarily i think it's been because of all of the labor involved in actually dressing the beaver so oh, yeah what people don't realize is uh, you give me a price for the beaver um from the time the price that I get and the price that you end up paying in the end when you turn that into a blanket is vastly different because right. we're 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 dealing with well I get to ship it to you um, and the shipping cost on my end is pretty substantial that's been the big obviously the biggest challenge we've had is trying to make the shipping economical and I I think yep. we're getting there um, yep but then you have to turn and send it to you grade it and you buy it and then you send it to the tannery. And you got to pay to ship it there, and then you got to pay to get it tanned. Yep. And the t- cost of tanning is probably more than the beaver costs, or about as much as the beaver costs, depending. Yeah, be- yeah, beaver and beaver is very expensive too to to dress, and for whatever reason. But yeah, I mean, there's a lot of costs when you think. And then about, you got to pay you know, to ship it, get it shipped from the yeah. tannery, and then you get yep. it there, and then you start cutting it up and working with it. So right, right. It's uh, it's pretty incredible uh, that people people maybe don't realize why when you actually buy a finished piece of uh, a fur garment, a hat, mitts, or whatever, why they, why it costs so much. Yeah, there's a lot of cost in between that you never think about until you start, oh, that costs about that much to ship, and oh, this is this, and this is this, and at the end, it's like, wow, that's a lot, so <laughs> you're right. Yeah, and I, I saw a picture, uh, I think it was your wife with a beaver hat. Is that is that one of the hats that you're making now? Yes, that was, that was one. That's actually one that I made for my brother. He wanted a hat, and it was out of the beaver that I bought from you. So that's, that's, that's Maine beaver. Nice. And, uh, and one of the things about that hat was is we want, he wanted to build a, real, a really warm hat. You know, he's out trapped just like I am, and we're out buying fur together and everything. And so he wanted to put sheared beaver on the inside of that hat. Okay. And I'll tell you what, you couldn't hear a locomotive drive by with that hat on it so soundproof almost i mean it, <laughs> the leather on that beaver is so thick and you got beaver long hair beaver on the inside of the flaps you got on the liner on the head you got sheared beaver that's so super dense uh i mean it's the most soundproof warm hat you'll ever find i i guarantee you so <laughs> now did you shear those yourself no huh no i i, I uh the i sourced those from somebody else that did that yeah yeah yeah, yeah all right on and uh, how much how much labor is involved in? I I know you probably have uh, the the first few you make are probably super long time to, to actually figure it out. But um, we talking a day's worth of cutting and sewing. Yeah, I mean, I I think I think I'm on my like my fourth generation of hat now. As far as when I first started out to where I'm at now, and the 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 weird thing with beaver is is that you know I'm always used to working with long haired you know red fox or coyote raccoon especially yeah well when i got over to my beaver hat to do that i, I used my design and i and i that i usually the last design I've, I've been using and and i noticed something weird i'm like well this this beaver's hair is not quite as long as i'm used to so you know you have to kind of 
when it comes to beaver, you have to make it a little bit bigger in the front so it covers your face more because the hair's not as long. Uh, but, you know, once you get going on it, I mean, by the time you, you know, stretch it and, and dry it and, you know, do all that stuff, you, you got a couple days into it, you know, because you have to then hand sew some stuff at the end. And because and, uh, we use a machine. My wife does all the sewing. Okay. Um, she's a sewer. I don't know if I could sew. It'd take me twice as long to do it. But, uh, <laughs> uh, but you know, you got to do some hand sewing at the end. So, I mean, a couple days. I mean, if you really work out, you can get it done sooner than that. But, I mean, it's getting better every hat you do and every right. year you do it. You know, you learn some tricks and stuff like that. Is it a special machine? Yeah, it's a, it's a, fur, it's a fur sewing machine that's made for fur. So Yeah. Well, that's cool. So, uh, so the hats have been your main thing, but you've branched out and started making a bunch of other things. You want to give us a rundown, kind of what you have? So we, you know, we started doing the hats, and then we thought, you know, headbands would be really nice. You know, it seems like there's been quite a few women that really have appreciated the, the headbands. So we made some headbands out of Red Fox, Gray Fox. Gray Fox is really nice for, you know, I wish there was, I wish there was a place that, you know, you could, you know sell gray fox garments or something because gray fox is really nice and we made some headbands out of that um and we started doing some uh, some oversized mitts and i'm still working on that you know i'm kind of torn between a fitted mitt versus an oversized mitt for like you know just using while you're out walking and taking it off kind of a my whole idea of making fur products was is i want to make it so people will use them you know yes. i just don't want to put not, them on the shelf fashion. yeah right I, i'm not going to put them on the shelf and only take them on Sunday afternoons. Right. I mean, I want it to be usable, but yet look nice. So when I started making these oversized mitts, I'm like, well, how do I want to make them? Do I want to make them where I'm out trapping or out riding snowmobile or whatever? And I have a, you know, like a smaller glove underneath in case I want to work on something and I can just put, take the mitt off. Yeah. Or do I want to make a mitt that's just made for, you know, warmth and it, more warmth and smaller. So I've been kind of tweaking that design. I'm not ready to, put that out yet because it's not the not what i like yet but i've been working on that uh did some pillows this spring just kind of some test pillows and they turned out pretty good i mean pillow making looks easy but i figured out what i did wrong and kind of you know tweaking that um i am definitely going to be making some blankets for this winter um and i think the winter forecast is supposed to be extremely cold this year <laughs> i think that's going to be my marketing nice <laughs> yes well it's always extremely cold in north dakota yeah, it is. It, it's extremely, it's, it starts about December, doesn't quit for a long time. But uh, yeah, so I'm working, I'm going to be working on a blanket here. Um, and then uh, my <clears throat> thing I've always wanted is I've always wanted to make, do you ever, do you ever watch that show Iron Will with that? Uh, yes. Yeah. The dog yes. team. Yeah. The, the yes. Dog I team. love that show. I love that show. And I didn't really pick up on it years ago. And so I'm watching this last winter because I'm a sucker for all those old shows. And I don't know if my kids and wife like when I watch it, but I don't care. I got the remote. I'm going to watch it. But... Yeah, I watch John Wayne movies with my boys all the time. Yeah. <laughs> so they, on there, they have this uh, this guy, the, the dad of this Iron Will guy, he had a raccoon vest on. I'm not just not talking a skimpy little vest. I'm talking like a, a vest that was probably number one heavy raccoon that went down to the waist and full and nice and silver and silky. And, and I was like, I want to make one of those. So I got a bunch of raccoon that are coming back from the dresser here in a couple weeks. And so there's going to be a, some sort of a vest, I think, a, one that you can wear outside to work with. Not a fashion thing that you're going to go to the mall with. But something you want to go out if you're, if you're working out in the cold. And raccoon is very durable. Um, something that's going to keep you warm 
and look nice too. And so that's going to be my big, big thing. I'm not sure how to do it yet. Cause I'm not, I'm not naturally a sewer by trade. I mean, that's not how I grew up. So it's all kind of a designing. The sewing part is easy, but the designing part is something that you know takes a little time because I'm not a you know I took home ec class and did fine, but that was a long time ago. <laughs> so so I I can't picture. I'd like to I'd like to see a picture of this vest, um, but it just like like a standard uh, zip up vest. It'd be zip up or a button or a button over or you know whatever whatever a person would and want. Pretty you know? pretty tight fitting ice or form fitting. Um, yeah, probably something you could fit fit like a, a sweatshirt under a hoodie or you know like a, one of those heavier wool jackets you know like a lighter wool you know something like that. Uh, but I, I want to make one of those. I think that look really cool and I think it actually would, would work. I think for for selling. So and raccoon would be probably good because it, it's relatively. Uh, economical because you got to use a lot of fur to make it and it and, yeah and it's super warm i'll tell you what the raccoon we got up here is super warm and and i would almost say between the beaver hat and a raccoon hat i'm not sure which one's warm but a raccoon hat they're super warm right. and uh so a raccoon vest i think would be would be the ticket i think it's pretty amazing how warm fur is Oh, it's crazy. I love it. <laughs> Just a little note on the those oversized gloves. I, I love those oversized beaver mitts. Um, actually, a friend of mine up in Alaska made me a pair this winter. And and uh, I, I like the idea of, because I, when I went up and trapped in Alaska this winter, it was, you know, 40, 50 below. Yeah. Uh, and it's nice to be able to have a pretty warm pair of mitts, mittens on underneath and then slip those over. And actually, right. the guys that trap and live up there, the guys, uh, all the native guys in the villages, like you, if you meet a guy on snowmobile or whatever, they have those oversized mitts made out of wolf, wolf fur. Oh, wow. And it is, they're huge. They're like, they're massive. I mean, the, <laughs> the, the mitt is just like, you know, three, four times the size of a regular mitt. It's amazing. With, you know, you got this, it, it's oversized to begin with, and then you've got the long, long wolf hair on it. Um, huh, that, looks, that sounds that sounds nice. Sounds warm. <laughs> oh, it, it, it's incredible. And they they also uh, the native women up there make like uh, this uh, di all this beadwork and stuff. They make really cool designs on them, like to decorate them. It's really really neat looking stuff. Hmm. Um, but I, I like yeah I I noticed that up there is is people wore fur way more than they do around here. Right. So what else are you making besides the you got the. Uh, um, the mitts, the headbands, the hats, the, uh, the vest, you, you tried out some pillows and the blanket. Yeah. So that's kind of, you know, kind of where I'm heading right now, you know, to see, and of course, probably trying to make some, some hats ahead of time for the winter. It seems like, you know, you get closer to Christmas and you start advertising people always want, can you give me a couple hats? So I'm, that'd be kind of what we're working on and just kind of, you know, making sure we got a little bit of inventory heading in the winter. We got a lot of dress fur coming back this year, so it'll be uh, it'll yeah. be it'll be fun to fun to sew, I guess, and make makes new stuff. That's the tough thing is you're you're probably three four months uh, from the time you buy fur and send it out to the tannery uh, for for it to come back. Yeah, I mean it's it's uh, some stuff comes back quick and some stuff takes a while, just depending on timing with the, with the tannery and. You know, and, and how much, you know, this year was a little bit different because it, it was just a fur market in the industry and buying fur and unknown, it seemed like it was just different. And some stuff was coming back faster and some stuff hasn't came back yet. So, 
Yeah, yeah it's kind of a waiting game. And, you can't and, really uh, plan on uh, selling anything at a specific time until you actually get the, the furs back. Yeah, right, right. Yeah. Um, so if people, so do you, do you hold kind of an inventory or you just make something and then put it up and advertise it and then, and then, uh, and kind of sell it on a first come first serve basis? Well, you know, we, we had the first year we did this, we made up, we would just, you know, make hats when people would need them. Um, and, and then there for a while we had a couple on, on hand and of course we'd like to try to sell them as soon as we could, you know? And so, you know, we have a lot of fur on hand or we have a lot of fur right now on hand and uh we're going to get a lot more here coming up so we'll probably be able we could we can turn a hat out in a couple days you know so if somebody wants a hat or you know it it doesn't take too long to do it so we 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 don't want to work over here all the time you know we got lives that we (laughs) have to do too but especially my wife you know she's she's so good at helping me out and and, uh, but yeah, we, we, we have a few hats on hand most during the season, at least, you know, yeah. and, uh, and then can make the order whatever, because I've had people send me their own tan fur and say, Hey, can you make me a hat? I'm like, yeah, sure. So yeah. we do that too. So um, do you have a store or uh, people just contact you through your website? Yeah, my website, I do some Facebook. Uh, I got a Facebook page that I do, you know, advertising out on, I do some target ads through that and Instagram and. And stuff like that, you know, we, we just have a little garage and shop. We work out. We don't have a storefront or nothing like that. And usually, you know, pe- people know how to get, get a hold of me or know, hey, we're, who's that fur guy up there, you know, and they get a, you know, kind of word of mouth type stuff. Yeah. yeah. That's good. Awesome. Do you have any advice for people that are, are kind of, we have a lot of people who have just started trapping recently and they've got, they're getting their tan furs back and they're trying to make things. Any advice for people getting started making items out of your own fur well you know fortunately i get to see the the skin go from whether whether i'm trapping it or i'm buying it from somebody um and then you go through the whole process of putting it up then you go through the process of storing it and sending it off and then you get it dressed and get it back um you know there's there's certain there's certain skins like coyotes for example i mean they're so and everybody knows anybody that's a coyote trapper handles coyotes knows how you know it, it's pretty touch and go once in a while if you got warm weather you don't get them done right and stuff like that you know they spoil pretty easy uh there's a lot that you don't see you know i see it because i get the fur back okay. but say you put fur up you sell it you don't know what happens to it and how that comes out at the, at the dresser after it's done mm-hmm. Um, so my advice would be if you're making stuff out of your own skins, the, the, I think, you know, to get for myself, I, it, it takes me two coyotes to make a, a coyote hat. Okay. Um, I, it's full fur. I don't skimp on thin furs to make it look really nice. But if, if I don't have, you know, if, if I have some bullet holes that aren't sewed properly, or there was a slip spot and all of a sudden there's a big golf ball sized piece of hair missing. Yeah. Um, uh, you didn't notice it during put up because, it looked fine. It went through the dresser and hair fell out. So, you know, uh, put up, you know, you know, the skins need to be put up with the most care. So when you get those back that, you know, cause once it hits, leaves your place and goes to the dresser, you don't know what happens to it. Cause every fur is different. You know, might have a nick and then all of a sudden hair falls off because the leather was, you know, damaged. And th- I think, I think if you're doing your own fur, 
um, using your own fur, definitely, you know, the prep of, of when you put it up is, is most important. And after that, you know, it's pretty durable and, and find your pattern that you want and, and just kind of go from there. So take your time. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. I would definitely, uh, you know, person cutting stuff out, trying to make their own stuff, practice on some, uh, you know, 99 cents a yard fleece from the fabric store yeah, that's <laughs> so, a good idea. <laughs> you know and find what fits right and the thing the thing is is it, you know that's one of the things that i found is is you know we use fleece liners and and uh for the most part kind of a sweatshirt type fleece not total fleece and yeah. you know le- leather doesn't stretch as well as fleece and and so trying to get the you know the right size especially for hats and you know all this kind of stuff it's a it's a learning process so you know whether you maybe you got some cheap fur you want to learn on or some cheap fabric you want to learn on, I suggest that before cutting up your, you know, expensive coyote coyote skin. So, and where do you find a pattern? I made my own pattern. I had a, okay. I, I had a, a trapper style hat that I just traced on a piece of paper one day, and I'm like, well, what do you think that looks like? Well, it kind of looks like the shape, and <laughs> we me- we measured and cut and this and that. And, Needless to say, I'm on my fourth generation of that because I've made some tweaks along the way because, you know, some people have long necks, some people have shorter necks, some people have, you know, heads that are misshaped. So you kind of try to find the, that works for everybody, you know? Um, and there's, there's been some other patterns I've bought online. I mean, you can search for, you know, patterns for anything. I mean, it doesn't have to be a fur, for a fur garment. It can be for anything. And you just, you know, adapt that pattern to what you're making out of fur. So. Yeah, that's, that's, uh, that's pretty neat. Just starting from scratch and figuring it all out on your own. It's, uh, it's not, it takes a lot of patience. <laughs> yeah. And for that type of stuff, I want to see the product right now for, so for me to cut it and then we tried to sew it, we used an old sewing machine we have. It wasn't, it wasn't the first sewing machine. It was an old one that we just had in the corner and that it was painful. I mean, <laughs> nothing sewed right. We had big seams and it was, the hat looked okay from the outside, but underneath it was sewed was just a disaster. But we thought, you know what, we can make it work. And I'm like, I'm not going to buy a fur machine until I know it works. And uh, it worked, and and that's kind of how we how we came about doing it. Yeah, one of these days we have to get you some Martin and Fisher. Uh, a friend of mine sewed me up a Martin and Fisher hat this winter. Man, man, it's comfortable. Oh, nice. That sounds nice. Yeah, I just had I had some leftover pelts that were tanned, and I, well, I don't really know what I'm going to do with this. And I sent them up to him, and I think I had. Uh, three Martin and two Fisher and uh, yeah it came out it came out looking pretty nice and it is uh, extremely warm all right Garrett well uh, one of the other one other thing I want to talk about uh, last time we talked you mentioned that you did uh, you you haven't been trapping all your life right you didn't you weren't born into it Um, you you kind of got into trapping later on and uh, since you've been trapping you've been been really excited about trying to help get other people into trapping um, in, in your area what what have you done uh, what have you done in that regard well you know that's that's right I mean I never I wasn't born a trapper you know our family never trapped and we hunted and stuff I mean we were outdoors people and we farmed and stuff so I mean we we're always outdoors and we you know, hunt pheasants and hunt deer and stuff like that, but we never trapped and, and trapping kind of by the time I was growing up, I mean, it wasn't really a thing people did anymore, you know? And so when I started, I started trapping and, and I was like, I'm going to start trapping. I, I think it looks fun. I like to be outside. And, and, um, 
So I started doing that, and I'm like, you know, this industry, there's nobody in it. I mean, how, who do I ask for help? Usually there's an old, usually there's an old timer around or something that trapped. There's a couple guys here or there, but you know, not everybody in the trapping world likes to share secrets. You know that, and and um, so I thought here last year, so I'm like, you know, with this whole. I, you know, just frustrates me the whole misinformation about fur and coming from all the PETA people and all this kind of stuff. It, and it frustrates everybody that's in the industry, I'm sure. And so I'm like, you know, I think, I think, you know, we need to go after the people as far as we, meaning the fur industry, needs to go after the people that aren't educated on fur yet. You know, they need to, you know, experience it and, and get educated on it um, so they can make up their own mind about it. And, and the youth, especially in a rural area like where I'm at and, and, a lot of kids are farm kids and and i thought you know the youth need to be involved with something like this you know the youth is the future of any industry and and it's so true in the fur industry so i thought you know this fall i'm going to start i'm going to start putting out there that i would you know gladly help mentor young kids you know i'm not an expert trapper i mean i don't know how to catch animals but i'm not an expert trapper but i'm willing to you know mentor somebody like a you know a parent and their kid wants to come out on the line with me on a weekend and kind of show them things and, and inform how things work and, and the stuff that, you know, because they don't know how to, you know, where to set a trap at or what you shouldn't do or right. how often do you check or, you know, what certain animals do. And I think that's where I'm going to start and, and offer myself as, as a mentor, you know, for anybody that's willing to, to learn about it and kind of go from there. I, I figure that's something that might help, you know, maybe, get some more youth involved and you know if i help one out of 10 kids you know get into trapping that, that, that'd be great yeah absolutely that's that's good um what's your are you going to be buying for this fall yeah we're going to be buying yep yep we're going to be going to be buying just like this you know like the last several years and, and we, we're not sure how it's going to go yet because i think there's a lot of un- unknowns and really a lot of uncertainty but we'll be buying yeah and yeah it's probably you have a you you need fur for your own use anyway, and then yeah. uh, the rest of it can kind of hopefully hopefully will come together. Hopefully, yes. I guess there's I guess you could always buy, but the price might be the thing that changes. Yeah, we're definitely going to see a price a price. Uh, we're definitely going to see price reduction. Um, I'm not going to say guarantee it, but I'm almost certain that we're going to see a price reduction. I mean everything else is such in the tank. I mean, like raccoons next year, you know, <laughs> you know, you know what the auction prices are. I mean, they're going to be in the country buying carcasses, you know, a couple bucks, you know, I mean, it's, it's pretty sad really, but that's, that's just the reality of it at this point. Um, you know, coyotes are going to be, I don't know what coyotes are going to be next year, but they'll definitely be the, the one that everybody's going to go after still. Cause there's still going to be demand, but yeah, the, the, the price is going to be way down. I think, you know, I don't know how it can be, it can't stay how it was this last couple of years, just the way everything worked, yeah. but it'll be interesting, you know, for harvesters auction, how that's going to, yeah, you know, kind of play out. Yeah. And that'll, that'll tell a lot. I think about, you know, where everybody's at, you know, with um, where everybody's at with the prices on stuff. I, I it, I'll, I'll be really interested to see how those, those top Western heavies go at that auction. It, I, 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 I'm going to tell myself now that I won't be surprised either way what happens because you never know, but <laughs> you never know. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be typical. It's probably They're probably not going to sell. <laughs> I would say it's probably, I, I would say, yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. I, I don't know. That, I got a lot of theories, but I, I won't share them, but I got a lot of theories. <laughs> <laughs> the, this, the, see, to me, it's the worst. That I, I, Part of me just 
you know, even though I've got coyotes there that haven't sold yet, and I don't want to see them given away by any means. Right. But at some point, it's it, part of you just wants to think, well, let's just figure out what the price actually is. <laughs> you know, um, it, how many auctions do you go through without selling a a, a piece of fur um, yeah. before you figure out whether there's a market for it or not? But well, I, I had trappers back in May that were calling me that were still sitting on coyotes. They were wondering if we were buying and. So I, I think there's still a lot of trappers that have their own lots out there that, that they're in the freezer. Um, yeah. And I'm talking Western heavy coyotes too. So it'll be, yeah, it's going to it's it's gonna be a really interesting season. And, it's hard and for people when they see how much money they've made in the past um, yeah. to, to actually accept the fact that your fur is not quite worth what it was before. Right. And I've had conversations with, with trappers about that here a couple months ago when right at the end of the season where people were trying to unload stuff. And I'm like, you know, I don't know what the price is going to be. I know it's went down. I said this fall though. Uh, I don't know. It's, it's going to be tough. And I, I, I'm hoping those people got rid of them at a good price and, and got what they want for them. And cause it's going to be a lot of unknowns going in, going in this fall. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see whether, you know, th- there's a certain segment of people that won't trap. Um, I, I think, a great number of people will still trap, but may not put as much effort into it. Right. I think, I think you're right on that. I think that, I think the, the, I think there's always people, especially with coyotes out this way that are always kind of, you know, chasing a little money on that because there's, I mean, if you can sell a, you know, sell a carcass coyote for a hundred bucks, I mean, anybody that can shoot a gun is going to go out and try to shoot coyotes. (laughs) Right. And I think those people are probably, you know, if, if they learn that it's not as, you know, rewarding at that point they're going to say well maybe i'll go do something else this winter but the people that like to snare and trap and they're really into calling a lot of night hunting up here now a lot of night vision thermal stuff are up here right now yeah, those people really are really popular isn't it? It, it it's really popular up here and frankly it's affected call, calling coyotes in the day <laughs> they really? don't like to come in because they because <laughs> there's a lot more people at night that are calling and they're getting you know instead of eight hours of education they're getting almost 24 hours of education because yeah. everybody's hunting during the night so huh. um i think those people that are heavily invested in stuff and really like to do it um they'll still be out there but for the people that have just been in and out of it over the years you might see them you know go away for a couple of years until the market comes back i think yeah and do you see uh what do you see for the future of the market well i think there's going to be a reset here you know, I really do. Uh, that's my opinion on it. You know, I think there's going to be a reset to, to newer price levels. Um, as far as, as far as a buyer for myself, um, and, and if I was just a, if I was just solely trapping, we trap and run snares all, all winter too. But if I was just, uh, you know, knowing now what I know as a buyer and knowing the whole process and stuff like that, as far as price levels and what it costs and the market, you know, volatility, I hope that it, I hope that it for the long term, I'd be okay with the, the the market being down over the long term and just sustaining, rather than these ups and downs so much. And I yeah. think that from my perspective, you know, it's easier for us to buy and give the best prices we can, not having to worry about well in a month if another virus comes through, <laughs> you know, we can't get rid of anything, you know. Right. And we were lucky enough this year to get rid of all our stuff and we were fine, but. I think a, a longer sustained market at a little lower price would, would be over the long term, people would see a benefit of that. I think this year, there might be a little bit of a hangover this year as far as the Western Coyote, I think, as far as people going after them. 
um, just because they're not going to really believe that the price maybe right away is going to be down until they sell that first one maybe. But uh, I think it might reset the market a little bit. It almost has to a little bit on the coyote side. Everything else, I mean, I feel bad for those guys in those states that catch all these coons and these nice coons. And you guys that catch beaver up in northern Maine, I mean, it's great fur, but the market is just, you know, not there. And, you know, we try to pay as much as we can, and especially for you guys, beaver, it's so nice up there. And I think it might reset a little bit, maybe get back to, you know, maybe more sustaining instead of up and down, up and down and stuff like that. Hopefully that's my hope, but yeah, we'll I would imagine everybody in the industry would benefit from that. Uh, even yeah, the, I would the largest think so. buyers. Right. Um, just having some predictability that they could actually, they know they're going to, the price might not be great, but they're going to be able to sell stuff when, when they buy it. At least sell it for a reasonable fair price, yeah. you know? And, and so it's not, you know, a dollar fifty raccoon it's like come on i mean nobody's gonna go trap for a dollar fifty raccoon yeah, I mean, and as a buyer happen. as a buyer it's gonna be a tough feeling to have to look someone in the eye and say i can only pay you a dollar fifty for this well I, I and i don't like to do it i mean i tell people you know last year we we're at the end of the last last year we were buying you know we were we were buying raccoons like fifteen dollars like the big three x or bigger and and i was buying a little little better price because i you know i make stuff out of them and i was trying to help the trappers out because otherwise they're not going to get rid of them anywhere and mm-hmm. And at the end of the season when we didn't really need any more, I'm like, hey, I'm like five bucks, you know, and, and I hate to, I hate, I'm like, I hate telling you guys five bucks, but I can't, I can't even sell them for five bucks. So, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and so at some point you're kind of like, I don't know. I mean, same with these coyotes and that's where we're going to run with these coyotes if the price gets too low. You know, if the, if the, if the price of these Western coyotes go down, you know, 30, 40% on the carcass, I mean, you're talking that average dropping a lot. I mean, how can you tell somebody, well, you know, your coyote's only worth 25 bucks. What? 25 bucks? I'm like, well, sorry. You know, on the low end stuff, of course, not the high end right. stuff, but, well, you know, it could so be yeah. the high end stuff too. We don't know yet. Well, I, it, oh, if it's the high end stuff, man, <laughs> <laughs> everybody's in trouble. I'm hoping that's not high end. <laughs> yeah. when, but, I, I'm trying to think back when, when Western coyotes were 25 bucks. I know there was a, there was a time not, not too long in the, in the, in the past when that was yeah. the case. Yeah, I mean, if it goes that again, boy, it's. Uh, but I mean, at that point, you're not going to have people going out and doing it because, yeah. you know, it's especially up here in the middle of winter, it's tough to get coyotes. I mean, it's cold and snow, and it's you know only light for not very many hours, and so you do a lot of stuff. Like we we do a lot of stuff with a headlamp mostly. I mean, <laughs> everybody wonders why we're out in the middle of the night. I was like, well, it's the only time we got to do it. So I mean, it's hard work. And everybody that does it up here knows, and up to where you're at too, the same deal. You know, cold. And you guys probably right. get more snow than we do, but well, yeah. And and we get well, we get we get about 100 inches of snow um, on an average winter. Um, wow. It, and it usually the first, the second, the last few years, the first or second week in November, we've got a foot to two feet of snow. We're snowmobiling wow. already, which is insane. <laughs> usually, usually with that normal year here, it's it's a little after Thanksgiving when you start to get that that snow that sticks around but yeah um, the majority the vast 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 majority of our coyotes are trapped the first 10 days of the season and we have an early season specifically for that because after that last week of october in the beginning of november it just gets so difficult to trap them because of the conditions yeah up here same with us i mean we usually start the middle of october and the fur's not really, I mean, it's okay. You know, for the people putting up their own fur, it's okay to go after, right? Mm-hmm. 
But once you start getting November 1st, it starts getting good. Well, then we got deer season opens up, and you really don't want to allow your traps out in deer season up here because, right. you know, mm-hmm. it's a holiday. Deer season's a holiday up here, right? <laughs> I mean, it's a 16-and-a-half-day holiday. I mean. <laughs> but, you know, then, then once the snow starts flying and we get – freezing temperatures i mean it's it's hard to keep footholds working i mean no until you trap and and you know if you know about because you live in those extreme climates but you know somebody from the southern part coming up here trying to trap footholds in december good luck i mean it's it's tough so we snare a lot and and it's then of course the years that you don't get enough snow to snare on that's hard because in the like last year we had an open winter for the most of the year i mean we didn't have much snow at all and and uh, you couldn't put a foothold in the ground because it was like cement and and snares you could put on a trail, but there was ten other snares that were open they could you know walk down. So it's yeah. it's it's yeah it can be it can be tough that's for sure. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. Um, anything else we didn't cover, Garrett? You know, not much. Now I guess we've covered quite a bit. I enjoy talking to you. So anytime you want to want to chat, I'm up for it. You know, I always get some new information here or there and. And uh, I always got theories and, you know, <laughs> ideas. And <laughs> it's always fun to talk to you. Yeah, absolutely. I enjoy it. And, uh, yeah, keep us in the loop if you find anything else out with that Canada Goose Market. We'll, we'll have to stay posted on that and see if anything changes. I'm thinking here, you know, first of September, we might want to get together again because, you know, we might hear some more, I think, by then probably. So, yeah. Awesome. Well, thanks very much, Garrett. I appreciate yeah. having you on. Okay, thank and, you. Uh, Volkfurs.com if people want to uh, check out some of the first stuff you're making. Yeah, yeah, anytime. It's it's always it's always open. <laughs> <laughs> All right, take care, Garrett. Thanks very yeah, much. Yep. Yeah. yeah, bye. Hope you enjoyed that, guys. Now it's time for the Cots Brothers deal of the week. This week's deal is very simple. You can order from Cots Bros, get some supplies. Actually, I just ordered some supplies from them, and here's what I do every time. I make a list, I make my order, boom, Cots Bros sends it almost immediately, like the almost always the same day or the next day. And I get my order, and I paw through the stuff and look through everything and realize oh I forgot something (laughs) so I gotta make another order so I start what I forgot on my list and then I get a couple more items on the list and then I go make an order so if you got that situation going on like me and you want to save a quick five bucks you can use the code JROD5 J-R-O-D 5 that's like my email address jrodwood at gmail.com if you want to get in touch with me uh, for questions about trapping, comments on the podcast, whatever, suggestions, jrodwood at gmail.com. But if you want to get the $5 off Cots Brothers Lures for any purchase greater than 25 bucks, use the code jrod5. You type in jrod5 and you get a quick $5 off your order. Plus, you get the bonus points. I mean, it's just, it's hard to beat, guys. So this offer is valid until July 31st. Take advantage of that. Pick up some supplies that you need. And the New Mexico DVD deal is still on until the 28th of July. If you're listening to this before the 28th, um, 
you have the opportunity to get 50% off Kyle Kotz's New Mexico uh, Coyote Trap, Sand Hills Coyote Trapping DVD. That's a really cool DVD. I bought it. Um, it's a it's regular $30, and with this code NMDVD, that's uh, NM as in New Mexico, DVD, you'll get 50% off of that thing. For 50, you'll get it for $15. Bucks. Um, I, I watched this with my boys here earlier uh, this week. It is pretty pretty funny because I remember we interviewed J.P. Wilson uh, at Neil Olson's last year, and he talked about when he was getting started and he bought Kyle's DVD because he wanted to go to New Mexico and trap. And he said he wore that DVD out. So I just kept picturing a young J.P. Wilson sitting there uh, watching the Kyle uh, trapping in New Mexico in this DVD. So it was pretty awesome. Um it's an older DVD, and the, the video quality and the audio quality is not great. I'm going to lay it out there right on the line just to let you know ahead of time. Don't expect top-quality production. Kyle basically shot this himself, and Kellen came along the line with him um, part of the time and did some filming as well. But, you know, it's basically a home camcorder type deal. But there is some great information in this, and it's really entertaining um, it's windy, so you can hear the wind uh, all the time um, in the background, but that's trapping out west for you. Uh, so w- really the coolest thing, you get to see the country, and he trapped, uh, oh, I can't, I'm going to, I'm not going to do justice to this. Um, I'm going to say somewhere around 100 coyotes, uh, but I think it was more than that in those trips in New Mexico. And so you see a lot of coyotes in sets and a lot of catches. You get to see a lot of sets made and different situations. Like the coolest thing for me is if I was just planning to go out West and I never trapped there before, you can see examples of what the habitat looks like and where he made the set and how he made it and the types of sets that he made. And it really helps things. It helps you kind of get going on, you know, what to think, about and what to look for when you're you're going to set traps out there. So I know JP found it very useful because he went out there in New Mexico shortly after that and and did really well. And I'm at some point I want to go back out west and and do some coyote trapping again. Um, I'm not sure when I'm going to be able to do that, but that's kind of that's kind of in the back of my mind. I've been thinking about it a little bit lately, and especially when I watch this DVD. So check that out, NM DVD for 50% off of Kyle's Sandhills New Mexico Trapping and J-Rod 5, $5 off any order over $25. And with that, guys, have a great week. We'll catch you on the next episode, and keep on talking trapping, keep on thinking trapping. Days are getting shorter. It's not getting cooler over here, but... Um, It will be at some point, and we all uh, got a trapping season coming along. So regardless of the fur prices, I know I'm going to be trapping, and I hope you are too, and we will catch you on the next episode.